0: This is Paul, and this is Wayne.
1: Are you ready for some sports ball?
0: I no, I'm going to be gaming tomorrow.
1: <laughs> mm. I am really quite keyed up for tomorrow's big sports ball match, Paul. Are, are you? Are you going to watch it? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No. I. Uh, you know. I understand that it's Philadelphia versus those cheating Patriots. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I will. Uh, you know. I was- I
0: I don't need to watch. Okay, somebody told me it was a uh, a bird against a non-bird. Yeah, I I don't need to see uh, you know
1: the the cheaters from New England uh, you know cheat their way to another uh, game win this year. So, Uh, and I am I am purposefully being inflammatory.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, where is Tim? I need Tim to talk this to talk about football with me. I need someone to start Uh my XFL podcast. See, I could talk uh-huh. about I could talk about the XFL okay, all day.
0: Now, no, now, no. I have I will talk to you about XFL. I <laughs> I heard it was coming back and then it's coming back because Vince was really upset about the failure the first time and wants to go back and fix it and get rid of all of the over the topness. Yeah.
1: But you see, so, that's the best thing about XFL. I like the over-the-topness of, of, of XFL. You know, he I I saw where he he wants to make the XFL great again, uh, <laughs> and you know, not have any of the 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 wildness that you typically get with pro wrestling. And I, I was just like, dude, you don't you're 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 preaching away from your brand.
2: Yeah. Yes and no. Oh my god, we're gonna have an XFL <laughs> conversation? No, we're
0: not. We should. Yeah,
1: we're, we're totally. Uh, gonna have-
0: conversation if xfl really comes back i will watch some of the games
1: yeah so look we forward to our XFL podcast XFL. in
0: 2020
2: it's coming <laughs> start planning now because it'll probably premiere the week after super bowl in 2020 and we'll be talking about it we'll be talking
1: about it so paul you know, we're, we're coming up on the, you know, we've been doing our, our Star Trek with Aaron and Polly podcast where we, you know, include a rewatch or a watch uh, review session of Discovery. Yes. And I was like, you know, we're coming up on on the end of that, you know, because we only got two episodes left before the season break. And uh, I, I was thinking, well, what would be the next thing that we could watch and maybe podcast around? And I was thinking about everyone's favorite TV's Bonanza. We can do uh-huh. an entire rewatch of the Bonanza series.
2: I was thinking dun, we just maybe instead we can just rewatch every Disney movie starting with uh, Sleeping Beauty. Right, right, right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, I, I suppose there's that. Was Sleeping Beauty the first one? I thought Snow White was the first one.
2: Yeah, that one. Snow White. Yeah. See, I, I already, clearly <laughs> <laughs> we are qualified. <laughs> Aaron, Aaron well, I, I am. You're not. Yeah, I not. mean. Sweet, fancy Moses, Paul. Snow White. That's what I meant. I knew it was one of those stupid princesses. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm the Disney guy. I I know, right? Well, you know, I know we're talking about all these happy, joy, joy things, but I'm going to start this podcast on a sour note. (laughs) So this is actually old news, and I just keep forgetting to talk about it. Uh, but yeah, I've been I've been keeping it off
1: the show notes, Paul. Yeah, because I, I I didn't want to break your heart. Uh, this this may be the last episode mind.
2: of Funny Books because I'm going <laughs> to flip the guy. I'm going to throw my laptop out the window um, as Paul rage quits the podcast yeah, because Archie Comics has announced that that Dick Tracy series that I was super looking forward to um, has been canceled. Uh, and uh, apparently yeah. it's uh, related to rights issues, which. I think when we spoke about it, we were kind of like, "I'm surprised they got over the rights issues."
1: Well, they didn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they thought they did. I mean, in 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 all fairness, they thought they had. Yeah, uh, but you know that, that that this is the reason why you don't see Dick Tracy anything these days because the rights issues are so you know bound up, tied in, in giant freaking knots.
2: And you know, I mean, I I, I could be wrong. But I have to say this is all Warren Beatty's fault. I, I feel you know, like I this mean, is all Warren Beatty's fault.
1: I feel like anytime something goes wrong, the first place you look is Warren Beatty. In general, right? not just related I mean, to Dick Tracy. Yeah. No, that's what I'm saying. I, the, the, he, he is essentially the root of all evil.
0: Yeah. Paul, I have to say I, I am sorry to hear that for you because I know how excited you were. I know how bad it sucks when you have a property that you love that gets stuck in uh, rights you know, limbo. Batman 66 was mine where I wanted it on DVD for years, and it was in that rights limbo of they couldn't release anything property-wise until recently. And I bought stuff like crazy once they could, but it's frustrating when you know it's out there and you know that they could be doing stuff with it, but they can't because nobody can figure out who actually owns it.
2: I I honestly think nothing's going to happen with Dick Tracy until Warren Beatty dies uh, outside of the newspaper Strips, which I think are, are we're, still being published.
1: Are, are you declaring a fatwa on Warren
2: Beatty, Paul? I believe I am. Because, God damn well, it, I it, want some Dick Tracy comic books. I want a line of Dick Tracy Funko Pops. God damn it.
0: Well, just think Don't about... Warren not Paul. A, when you kill him, you could uh, lighten your jail cell up with that stuff.
1: <laughs> just think of how good a movie Ishtar would have been had Warren Beatty not been in it. Right? I mean, come on. I mean, Warren Beatty is the root of all evil. I do not support... You're calling for a holy war against Warren Beatty, though. But I do understand it.
2: <laughs> <sighs>
0: uh, frustrating. That's a, that, It's yeah, just big no. bummer news. Yes. Wishing for the death of Warren Beatty is Paul Aponte's views alone and not the views <laughs> of Ideology of Madness as a whole. <laughs> that is correct.
2: That's correct. I mean, but isn't it? No. <laughs> <laughs> <You're>, <laughs> just, just because you want to see Bulbworth 2. <laughs>
1: There are so many dangling plot, plot threads from <laughs> Bullworth 1, Paul. We've got to have resolution in Bullworth 2. Uh,
2: you know what's funny is no one gets Warren Beatty jokes. But, you know, <laughs> we still make them. Well, in other depressing news. Oh, I don't know if it's depressing. Yeah, well, it's
1: interesting news. Paul, the world needs a Metropolis TV show. You need to know what Metropolis was like before Superman came to town. Before Clark You came- need to know... What Lois was doing with Lex Luthor prior to Superman coming to town. I, I don't know that I do. I mean, here's the thing.
2: <laughs> I'm actually not opposed to the concept of a Metropolis TV show. Um, I'm, I'm more opposed to it because I've already seen Gotham and I hate Gotham. And, um, right. you know, you have an, a Krypton show coming out. Like, we, we're going to have two simultaneously running prequels to Superman without actually superman like you're not making a man of steel movie like we're superman <laughs> let's let's keep doing superman related stuff without superman in it
0: that's so the, the part that bugs me more than anything else that we already have krypton coming which i don't think looks good at all oh i'm so excited for krypton and now we're getting a small or a metropolis tv show as well one show without the character that makes this an imp- a relevant setting is already a lot two shows without the character that make it a relevant setting no stop it
1: i just imagine that there'll be lots of scenes of like you know clark visiting metropolis you know somebody who looks like clark visiting metropolis on a family vacation you know there'll be those kind of little you know carrots and easter eggs it it sounds more like a mini series to me than it does an ongoing series and i'd be totally fine with that yeah but this is uh, this is uh, slated to air on DC Nation, the DC streaming service. service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I I'm not altogether interested in that.
2: Here's the thing: if it is a miniseries, if it's a six issue miniseries, that maybe the last two episodes involve Lois going to Smallville and investigating, you know, the the this the sightings of you know the super being or something. I, I'd be okay with that. I just I don't necessarily want five to eight seasons of uh, a metropolis tv show you know i don't want to see lois and lex bang it out because you know they're going to go there (laughs) with it you know
0: i mean it just seems like unnecessary to me no i'm completely with completely with you there paul if they make this a mini series i'm all on board yeah i mean
1: yeah yeah
2: yeah again six issue, six episode i'm i'm you know what then my tune changes but they're they're just calling it a series so it could be anything um just you know because I, I, I don't think Krypton is intended as a miniseries, but that's set generations before Kal-El anyway.
1: Well, as uh, David Bowie might say, I understand that there are some ch-ch-ch-changes coming up in Action Comics 1000.
2: Ch-ch-ch-changes. I, I can't do David Bowie <laughs> voice. That's as far yeah, as... That's as much like. as you're going to get. Um, <laughs> yes, so uh, Action Comics 1000. So, you know, it has been announced well a while back it was announced that there would be two versions of action comics 1000 there was going to be um an actual action comics 1000 featuring uh the debut of brian michael bendis on dc comics there was going to be a bunch of other creative teams dan jurgens pete tomasi pack Gleason, and all those folks um and there would be a hardcover called action comics 1080 years of superman uh now apparently it has been announced that uh, now the 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 um Hardcover was also going to feature, like, lost art from uh, Siegel and Schuster, uh, or a lost story from Siegel and Schuster, a bunch of, you know, like, classic tales of Superman. And so um, to avoid confusion and to, I guess, hurt their sales, uh, they have changed the name to just Action Comics, 80 Years of Superman. Um, Now, I will say, with that in mind, I don't know that it's going to sell as well, right? You say Action Comics 1000... People are going to buy it. You just put Action Comics, 80 Years of Superman, then it's basically another hardback that's just the greatest tales of Superman ever told type thing.
1: And you – yeah, it just looks like every other tabletop Superman book, right? Yeah. Hey, uh, while we're talking about tabletop Superman books, Uh uh, along those lines, I got a late Christmas gift a week or two ago. I got 75 Years of DC Comics, The Art of Modern Mythmaking. I've got that book. It is gigantic. Yes, it's it is huge and beautiful. I mean, this thing is amazing. Uh, you know, it's got it's got cover art from, you know, uh, 75 years of DC Comics and some just great observations by Paul Levitz. Uh, this is a ginormous freaking book, and, and I just absolutely love it. It's oversized, uh, you know, kind of like we the, the um, uh, omnibus editions. Really nice. It's a, it's a great tabletop book, and I, I've been really enjoying thumbing through it.
0: So big thumbs up.
2: Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one.
0: Yeah, it's I got gorgeous. that as a Christmas gift as well. I'm very happy it with this, it. Did you get it this year?
1: Yes. Uh, it's gorgeous. I, I, and I had not seen it before. Uh, but yeah, no, it's a great book. Great book. Uh, big thumbs up. I, You know, as someone who is not so much into the print media, <laughs> yeah.
0: longer, I'm, I'm really into the digital stuff. This is just gorgeous. Yeah, some of those big books are really, I mean, they look good on the shelf too. Right. Yeah. No, it's it's great shelf porn. <laughs>
2: so i had mentioned uh bendis would be making his premiere for dc comics in the pages of action comics 1000 um well this week uh dc had an exclusive in or bendis had an exclusive interview with forbes uh where a bunch of where his basically bendis's plans for dc were revealed so action comics 1000 is going to basically be the uh concluding run for both jurgens And to and Pete Tomasi. No. Yes. Uh, And so after Action Comics, Bendis will be doing a six-issue weekly miniseries
1: titled "Man of Steel," um, that's based in the in in the lines of the John Byrne run of Man of Steel when they reintroduced Superman after Crisis on Infinite Earths.
2: Correct. Yeah. So it's same basic premise, you know, basically reestablishing the origin. Um you know, leading up to a but you know planting plot threads, much like Jeff Johns did in his secret origin book, much like John Byrne did in his man of Steel series, you know, all of them kind of redo the origin and then you know plant well, seeds for their run
1: and there's really a lot here to do, right because we we have meshed the uh the convergence superman who's a holdover from pre flashpoint superman right mm-hmm. into the new 52 superman so there's a lot of weeds to eat uh yeah. in the, in that six issues so it does seem like a timely uh re of what's canon versus what's not
0: agreed yeah, yeah it's something that's needed to happen for a while now yeah
2: yeah and and i i'm i'm and here's the creative team on it. Obviously, Bendis is writing it, um, but the artists include, uh, so it's six issues, a different artist on each issue, Ivan Rice, Evan Shaner, Doc Shaner, Ryan Sook, Kevin McGuire, Adam Hughes, and Jason Fabok, and the covers are going to be an interconnected uh, series of covers by Ivan Rice. Yeah.
1: So it's beautiful. So, so we haven't heard what Dan Jurgens is going to be doing post- Issue 1000 of Action Comics.
2: We have not.
0: I I have Uh, my hope. My hope is that they'll bring Booster Gold back with the current Superman story. We know that Patrick Gleason is going to
1: remain the artist on Action Comics uh, because we've seen him in solicits, I guess, for issue 1001. Yeah. We haven't seen confirmation of this, but word on the street is that Pete Tomasi is going over to Detective Comics.
2: That's the rumor. Yeah. Yeah. So after this six issue, so Action Comics 1000 is due out in April. Then we'll go into Man of Steel. After Man of Steel concludes, Bendis is taking over both Superman titles. Superman will be drawn by Ivan Rice, will be starting over with issue one, and will be an action-focused title. And he'll also be doing action comics, which will start with 1001, which will be um, more character-focused on Clark Kent's day-to-day life at the Daily Planet with art by uh, Pat Gleason. So, um, Interesting. Some, some... I was
0: about to say I don't like the idea of Mendes doing both books. But if one's focused on characters and one's on action, then I don't have such a big issue with him doing both.
2: You know, I'm I'm sad that we're losing Juergens. I'm sad that we're losing Pat Gleason, uh, not Pat Gleason, Pete Tomasi. I love both of those creative teams, and we talked about our concern with with losing Jurgens on um, on Superman or Action Comics, I should say. Yeah. But I have to say, um, maybe it's just me, and I know you guys are going to give me heat over this. I'm actually thinking maybe it's time for Ben for Jurgens to wrap up his run. Uh, I haven't really loved his stuff, you know, the last couple of arcs. So maybe I I I think I'm I'm ready. Well, I don't Bendis says he's not throwing anything out. So I'm hopeful that means we're not losing Jonathan Ken.
0: Okay, that makes me feel better if he says he's not throwing anything out. Yeah. So what I would have loved to have seen would have been Jurgens doing a Booster Gold book with the intention of answering all of these questions we're talking about with the universe. Because and of that, things changing. Having Booster Gold traveling through time to retell some of these stories. Well, and I would think that that would have to happen after Doomsday Clock, right? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, uh, I mean, you know, that's going to be November, December, if not later, since they've gone bimonthly.
2: Yeah, exactly. So, so I mean, I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of moving pieces and um, DC is kind of like, well, we still have to do something. Right. We, we can't right. wait for Doomsday Clock to end. Um, right. And part of that something is we had talked last week about the free comic book day, uh, you know, issues that were coming out from Marvel and D.C. And I had said D.C. originally announced this top secret thing and then it turned into a, a reprint of D.C. superhero girls. Well, now <laughs> the actual uh, thing has been announced. And instead of releasing it on free comic book day, D.C. is releasing D.C. Nation number zero the Wednesday before free comic book day um it, and it is 25 cents in print or free digitally and it's three stories that base that are setting up the uh, large, uh, the big stories that are coming to come in their main titles. Um, the first story is a Man of Steel prelude by Brian Michael Bendis, and coming out of retirement, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez.
1: And that's pretty damn hot. Yes. I, I love Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Yeah, uh, I've got I've got a, a book on my shelf of his Superman work. Uh, uh, it, his art is just beautiful. It is iconic. And if that name is not ringing a bell with you, uh, you would recognize the art. Yeah.
2: Literally Uh, go and buy any Superman tin that you put up uh on your wall or go into Target and look at any Superman merchandise or Justice League merchandise. You've seen his art. Trust me. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's just gorgeous.
2: Um, In addition, you'll have a prelude to Justice League No Justice by Scott Snyder, James Cynion IV and Joshua Williamson and you will have um Tom King doing a Batman story uh that features the Joker becoming aware of Batman and Catwoman's impending nuptials. I'm pissed off that they
1: that they spoiled that, Paul.
2: Yeah. I mean it's on I the would've... cover. So even if you know if if they had just released
1: the cover you'd see it. Yeah. Just that's annoying cuz you now you know what the threat's going to be running through the summer. Yeah. It just would have been nice to find that out in the page of uh but... I'm I love when DC does these kind of specials like you know, do you remember like the the Superman Tencent special? I think it was like Death of Clark Kent or something like yep. that. And then and, Batman Fugitive was one yeah. too. And those were those were great books and launched into into terrific storylines. I love it when DC does this kind of thing. I agree, and so and I think it's I think it's great that they're do that they're making it available free digitally. I think that's part of the problem with uh, Free Comic Book Day. I understand that it is a day to get people into comic shops, but but when they bury important stories in Free Comic Book Day, they make it really hard on you to find that digitally later on.
2: Yeah, agreed. And so I'm I'm, I'm I'm glad that DC is doing this. It's a bummer for the you know the the organizers of Free Comic Book Day. It does show that DC c- clearly feels that releasing it this way is more effective than releasing on Free Comic Book Day. Uh, yeah. But as a fan who reads his comics digitally, I agree. I'm going to yeah. I, you know I, I I am going to Free Comic Book Day just to pick up the Marvel books because I want to see what those are. But I would not if they just released the damn things
0: digitally. Right um honestly i go to free comic book day at this point less for the books than for seeing what's going on seeing I, what the stores are doing because the books will end up coming out digitally and i'll read them that way i'm gonna guess it's been three maybe four years since i've been to a free comic book day it's uh
2: you know it's I, it's it's funny i have comics from free last free comic book day that i i picked up and never bought sti- reading
1: yeah that you still have same right here? here yeah
2: yeah um it's but this one i would read i remember when um when marvel did marvel seems to really launch their their big crossovers on free comic book day so i'm gonna pick up the two marvel books i would pick up dc nation if it was released on free comic book day but like i said i actually prefer this method of releasing it and thank you dc for understanding that you can release a regular size or oversized, I don't know what size it is, comic book for $0.25. Cents. Because yeah. I got to tell you, freaking Marvel Legacy releasing as a $6 book, um, you know, they, they just don't seem to learn their lesson. That DC, you know, they released DC Rebirth, which was an 80-page book for, I believe, $1 of the initial printing.
0: Yeah. If you're b- kicking off one of these big things that's going to be cross-line, make it cheap to get people on board. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so DC
2: is nearing the conclusion of their current big crossover storyline, Dark Knight's Metal, written by Scott Snyder or by Greg Capullo. Um, And so we've got issue five finally released this week. There is, it looks like another tie-in to kind of uh, satiate us until the final chapter has been released uh, called Dark Knight's Rising Wild Hunt that comes later in February. So Aaron... Dark Knights Metal 5, what did you think?
1: I strongly disliked this book.
2: I did too, and I don't know yeah. if it was because of the delay, and I just need to reread issues one through four, but I was rather lost. And I've read yeah. every damn metal book there has been. So I, I, Well,
1: and... I think that it's, it's got a lot of things going on. One, you know, they, they've lost their momentum in the story because of the delay, but I think it's also for the fact that largely, I think this book could have been boiled down to three pages. Um, I don't think that this issue was entirely necessary. Um, I don't think enough happens in this book uh, to warrant, you know, the the you know thirty two pages, and some uh, some of that's the Impossible Men preview. Um, yeah. I, I just don't think enough happens here. I, I It's a, just a continuation of conflicts that, that happened in the previous book. And I truly, I mean, based on what I read here, I felt like the big issue is that Wonder Woman finds the mace. And she does get a couple of nice moments in this book. But the rest of it, I just couldn't care less about.
2: Yeah. I, I definitely you know, I thought about rereading this issue because I read it once and I was like,
1: mm. man, I can, I barely got through it the first time.
2: <laughs> and I was like, well, maybe if I reread it and I said, well, if I'm going to reread it, what I should do is I should reread issues one through four uh, because I, I found that, again, I have read every metal tie-in and I don't know if it's just because of the delays or what, but I was kind of lost. Like, okay, I, yeah. what's going on? Like, I'm not entirely sure what's going on here. Yeah. So I, I it's, it's a bummer. It's still, you know, the the art. Uh, I, I enjoyed the art and I enjoyed moments of the book. But as an overall story, I, I like I think Wonder Woman's piece of the book was the strongest piece of the book. Absolutely.
1: By far. Absolutely. I, I I agree. Well, and I'll tell you what I think was was. A lot more interesting in – the, the the most interesting thing I found in the book was the Impossible Men preview that I struggled that – that I had to hold myself back not to read because I'm going to buy that book anyway.
2: Yeah, exactly. There's, I, I, there's, like it looked uh, – Immortal Men.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, Immortal Men. The, uh, the preview pages look fantastic, but the – I really did not care for the Batman-Superman stuff in this book. Because it just felt like we were beating the same horse that we did in the previous issue. Yeah,
2: yeah you know where Superman's lost. Issue, you know,
1: yeah, where Superman's lost hope and Batman's trying to help Superman find his hope again. Whereas, you know, it, it, it's that converse because Batman had lost his hope before, and now the the, the tables are turned. And I'm just, you know, ugh, I. I, like I said, I think I think the the book has lost a lot of momentum. And you're right, you know, if you were reading this in trade or you're reading the issues back to back, it would probably read a lot better. But boy, I was irritated through this whole story, and I didn't start the book irritated, but the book certainly irritated me. Yeah.
2: So I'm I, I'm sorry to say that I didn't enjoy this book because it started very strong. I feel like, uh, yeah, you know, the first couple of issues of Metal started strong, and between the loss of momentum and the the way in that the story has gone and again it might be more of an issue of of me not understanding everything that was going on uh but if that's if that's going to be an issue if you know that's going to be an issue go ahead and you know plan for that you know have recap pages do write some dialogue in that gets me caught up again
1: but here's the here's what I think is a fundamental problem of the book. You've got somebody who can draw the hell out of any scenario, Greg Capullo, right? Yeah. I mean he he is he is just such a gifted visual storyteller. But Scott Snyder has polluted the pages with far too many words. Agreed. Yeah. You know, I and I think that's that's a problem with this story, is that he feels like he's got to dump all this exposition on you to explain what's going on because the story is kind of (laughs) wonky. Yeah. (laughs) You know? Uh, And, you know, there's a lot of betrayals going on. And I mean, you know, every time somebody walks up to something with Nth Metal, how many times are you going, okay, look behind you, look behind you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, because every time somebody finds something, somebody whacks him in the back of the head, stabs him with something. You know, uh, because they've they've led the bad guys right to the thing. yeah. Um, it's a frustrating book. and and it the the manner in which Scott Snyder is applying the text just seems too much. It just seems like there's there is far too much uh, exposition like, you know, the Batman who laughs has got this gigantic monologue that runs in the middle of the book while he's, you know, uh, after he's beat down Wonder Woman. And I, I hated that entire monologue. Yeah. It just seemed excessive. Oh, I and, and I know that's part of metal. I think that's part of the hallmark. That's why it's called metal, right? It's one of the reasons it's called metal because, you know, it's got the double meaning of the nth metal in the books. Plus it's metal. Nah! <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and I get that. But I, it's just the exposition was just far too much in the book. Yeah. I, I feel like that it should have been nuanced a bit more. Agreed.
2: Agreed. And if, and here's the thing: if you're not going to be nuanced, then just fucking commit. Like yeah. you know, give me a heavy metal book with with crazy shit going on constantly. And I and I get that. Here's the thing: if you wipe out all the words, I feel like that's what this book would look like. I feel like the words are getting yeah. in the way.
1: I do. I, I feel like he, exactly. In fact, there there is so much narrative text on these pages that you're like, man. You can barely some of the some of the panels are so obscured by text you can't tell what's going on. Yeah. You know his effort to explain what's going on is wiping away, uh, Greg Capullo's visual narrative. And I. The, Drove me crazy in this book because I'm just watching this whole line of dialogue run run from the top to the bottom of the page. I'm like, Jesus Christ, stop that! Yeah, (laughs) you know, when you've got a when you've got an artist like Greg Capullo who is just so tremendously talented, and not to say that Scott Snyder isn't, but when you've got somebody like Greg Capullo, get out of his way. Agree. You know, let let him let him draw the story, and I I just don't feel like he's done that enough. I feel like he's I feel like he's competing with his artists as opposed to working with his artists
2: i agree well on the flip side of that there's another book that came out this week part of that new age of heroes that they say is spinning out of dark knights metal but i'm not entirely sure how it ties in yet maybe i'll know more when when metal number six comes out um the silencer number one came out this week written by dan abnett art by john ramita jr um you know, I know no one else picked it up because of the John Romita Jr. art. And I have to say, uh, you know, and this is kind of something we have frequently said in regards to Romita's most recent work. The story is the strength here. Um, Dan Abnett does, <laughs> did a really good story. I, I, In fact, I enjoyed the book quite a bit. So the, the story of The Silencer is that this is either a hit woman or, you know, there's still a mystery as to what she, she's like a superpowered hit woman. And she's called The Silencer because she can create a dome of silence around her. Uh, in order to commit her crimes, so that no one else can hear them, kind of thing. Um, it's a cool, it's a cool concept. Um, well written book. Uh, it, it, it has ties to uh, the League of Shadows because Talia al Ghul makes a, a pretty cool appearance in this book, um, and, 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 I, and I really enjoyed her interaction with the lead character of the book. But damn, this art is not working for me. And I like. And here's the thing: I have always, I have been a John Romita Jr. apologist for a long time, <laughs> um, and in, and he still does some good stuff. Uh, and even in this book, there the the silent moments work well, but the the action just does not. And uh, you know, with John Ramita when John Romita Jr. such an iconic artist. Um, I feel like he's lost his touch a little bit. And I feel like this book would have been better served by an Alex Malieve, um, given the, the, the yeah. type of story that they're telling, like an Alex Malieve or someone of that nature, because it's that kind of story. Um, you know, it's dark, it's got some quirks to it, it's, it's you know, funny and engaging, uh, you know, this character with this hidden past. But uh, the John Romita Jr. art was, was a, a real factor for me. So I will probably pick up the second issue. Uh, because it's only two ninety nine, and I enjoyed the first issue, but uh, you know, I, I at some point, I, could, I I know this is a title, especially since no one else is reading it. That's just going to fall off my uh, my pull list at some point in the near future.
0: Yeah, just to be clear, I didn't avoid it because of the artist. I read the previews in the back of the uh, the DC books, and it didn't interest me.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it, and I will say that the the preview was weak on this one because uh, I I know it was like the first couple of pages of the book, uh, but the book itself is actually really strong after that initial sequence. But again, um, you know, it, it it just depends on if you can if you like John Romita Jr.'s recent art because that's key to this book.
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know the it wasn't the art that kept me off the book either. It was uh, the type of story it was telling. You know, I'm just not interested in that kind of you know hitman crime kind of thing so you know i'm not sure what what the what the the gist is there but it just didn't grab me yeah so So
2: so this is now my second i didn't hop into it sorry this is now my second book that i'm picking up in the new age of heroes and uh you know both of them have been rather mediocre uh you know i i while i i damage was fine and silencer was fine but neither of them were like woo, damn um, I'm yeah. hopeful. I'm still hopeful for the terrifics, though, because you got frickin' Jeff Lemire. You got uh, is it Ivan Rice doing the first the
1: art on the first arc? I think so. Um, and well, and 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 then Immortal Man looks fantastic. Yeah, and you know, so I mean, the the books that I'm excited about in this new series of comics uh, haven't come out yet. So you know i'm I'm still very optimistic. I knew I damage wasn't for me. I knew silencer wasn't for me. Uh, doesn't mean they're not for somebody else. they're just not for me. Yeah. but uh, I'm you know I'm excited that there that there looks to be a couple of a couple of gems in that series that that are you know preaching to Aaron, so yeah. I'm looking forward to those.
2: Well, what I find interesting is you know, I mentioned that Ivan Rice, or maybe it's Ivan Reese, I don't know, um, is going to be taking over art chores on Superman when Bendis launches Superman and he's the key, and he's the the artist on the first arc of the Terrifics. So I've got to assume that, you know, I know Evan Shaner's coming over and taking over for the second arc. Um, Maybe Mm -hmm. Evan Shaner's staying on the book after, uh, you know, since Ivan Reese is clearly engaged elsewhere.
0: Mm. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, you know, speaking of optimism, what inspired you to pick up the flash annual number one this week?
0: Two words on the cover, Wally West.
1: (laughs) <laughs> uh, for me, it, it was the uh, Flash War prelude. Uh, I was intrigued by Flash War, and then I looked at the preview pages on Comicsology, and those looked pretty
0: hot, so I, I picked it up. Yeah, that was part of it for me, too, actually, is I want to get into Flash more. I enjoy the TV show. I like the character a lot. I just haven't really read the books much, and... I saw this one was a Wally West story, so that immediately makes it easier for me to get into. I picked up the last issue of Flash that came out last week because it had Gorilla Grodd on the cover. And uh, for my rant, Gorilla Grodd didn't show up to the last page. You don't put a monkey on the cover and tease me with a monkey and then hide the monkey from me until the last page. That's just wrong. It's a classic monkey switcheroo, and I don't care for it. Exactly. Yeah. But I really enjoyed the story that was being told in there, and it takes place after this uh, this annual.
2: Ah, okay. So
0: that was another reason that I kind of it basically caught me up on what was going on with the Flash world right now, you know, with those characters, and I was curious. Yeah.
1: So, so, so uh, Paul, what made you buy it? Was it peer pressure from Wayne and I?
2: It was. It was. Uh, Because I was going to buy the Detective Comics annual, and I was like, I don't know, like the origin of Clayface, do I need to see that again?
1: Yeah, the the
2: Detective Comics annual looked crappy. Yeah, so, and then you're like, well, I'm getting the Flash annual, and I was like, okay, well, let me go ahead and and pick that up then. And I I have enjoyed um, Joshua Williamson's arc on the Flash. I, I have not read it consistently, but what I read, I enjoy when I read it. Um, stories like The Button and things like that. So I went ahead and picked it up. Uh, but what did you think of it, Aaron?
1: Um, you're, there are essentially two stories in this book. There is the f- story that frames it out that occurs in the 25th century. Uh, and then there's the story that occurs, you know, and then so it's kind of the bookend story, it's the beginning and the end. Uh, And then there's the story that happens in the middle that's just Wally West coming to terms with, you know, being in the new 52. And I did not care for that story. Um, It was it was um, it just wasn't very interesting to me. And the character that Wally reunites with, I don't remember from, uh, you know, prior to the new 52. So I don't know if that's just a character that I just wasn't familiar with or if uh, they made this character up.
0: (laughs) So Aaron, I recognize the name, but I wasn't I don't know the character either. Yeah. So I don't think this was a new character, but it's also one I didn't know anything about either. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, nor I. So there was there there was that for me and I, you know, I, I didn't bother to research it. I was just like, you know, if you're gonna have this big reunion between him and a previous character, you'd think that they would have chosen somebody that, you know, had a little bit more resonance. I do recall a a character with magnetic abilities back in the you know in a a previous teen titan story but i just don't recall that that was her so anyway I, I i struggled with that anyway i didn't care for that story um the only thing i did like about that story is that it does set wally west up as a permanent resident resident of keystone city and i think that's long overdue what I did really like about the book was the book ending stories the the story that occurs in the twenty fifth century where we see that the flash museum it has you know been you know uh, largely destroyed and we 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 determine that a murder has taken place there that you know uh Eobard Thawne, you know Doctor. Zoom or the reverse flash uh has been murdered and they track it back to Iris West, who we find out in the Wally West story had been, of course, folks who've been reading the flash knew this, but you know, I've not been reading the flash, but we find out that, that Iris, uh, after having been captured by, uh, Thawne, uh, killed him with the black hole gun. And, uh, you know, in, in defense of, uh, you know, Barry Allen. Well, the at the end of the book you know it's like you know even though iris west is a pinnacle foundational part of the flash family murder cannot stand we've got to send you know our you know time cops back to uh, uh you know bring iris west to justice which of course is what's going to set off flash war right um I liked that part. I also enjoyed the reveal that the guy who's sending these, you know, time cops back is, and the time cops are the what's that? What's their name again? The oh, because they weren't the,
0: they were based off of the Rogues. Yeah, they're based off of the Rogues. So it's
1: like, and it's Commander Cold, and you know, all those guys. But uh, I can't. I thought they had a name. The Renegades. Maybe maybe I missed. Thank you, the Renegades. So you know they all go back to you know 21st century to to bring Iris back, and then it's revealed that their mission giver is actually Thawne himself, who faked his death. Well, no, um, it was Zoom. So I, I'm sorry, I get those guys confused.
2: I do too, and that's my problem with the book. <laughs> I, I, I get the freaking Reverse flashes confused, but this is Professor Zoom, not Eobard Thawne.
0: Okay. Yeah, the big difference between the two is Zoom always wanted to make Flash a better hero. Thawne just wants him dead. Okay, so Thon is dead. Professor Zoom is the one sending
1: them back to go, go to go uh, fuck up uh, Flash's day and bring Iris to justice. Yeah, but what
2: I like is they reference at the beginning of the book, they're like, all the times that Thon has died, like, you know, clearly, you know it's, uh, because of time travel, it's like, well, the guy can die multiple times. So he just, of all the times that Thawne has died, this is, you know... I thought that was a funny acknowledgement, right?
1: Uh, so anyway, I, I I thought that set up for an interesting story. I'll probably read some of Flash War. I'll pick up the first issue or so and see how it
0: is. So yep, same here. I like the, I love that Wally has his own place now and in his own city and is going to move forward. I uh, I love the, you know, I love uh, Zoom being the villain sending these guys back. But that it's going to be a group of heroes based on the rogues that the flashes are going to fight too. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I my only concern is I don't want to see Wally West take a heel turn. Right? They, they, the way Jeff Johns wrote that character in DC Rebirth and his 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 journey to coming back into the DC universe was just such a pinnacle moment of that book. I don't want to see. I, I was concerned reading this book in that Wally West was like going down a dark path. I don't want to see Arsenal. You know, again with the dead cat or whatever. Right. You know, I want to see Wally West still perform as a. As I mean, the guy was the Flash for just as long as Barry Allen has been the Flash. But you know, they write him like aimlessly in this book, and so I was concerned about that. But it seems like by the end of the book, we've resolved that. Um, You know, now they haven't resolved his issues
0: with Barry, but he seems certainly on the right path. Yeah, and he still has a lot of issues of he doesn't have all his memories, and other people don't remember him, but. Moving forward is good, especially for a character like Wally. And I got kind of a kick out of some of the some of the things in Wally's head. Like when uh, he's talking about Barry, Barry says he's the fastest man alive. And he believes that. (laughs) Yeah, because Wally was always faster than Barry.
1: You know, when when they're they're sitting there at the uh, the food truck park having lunch and, you know, it's Wally. It's both Wally's, right? You've got Kid Flash Wally and, you know, Flash Wally. And then you've got Barry all sitting there eating tacos together. And it's, re- you know, Barry, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Kid Flash Wally reveals that Iris killed uh, Thawne in the 25th century. And, of course, this is a surprise to Wally. And initially, my, the I read it that he was like, oh, my God, that's not the way that's supposed to happen was and was how I read that, until Wally explains, you know, that's horrible that you let Iris be in that situation. I really had read that a completely different way at first. Um, and I I wonder if there's something to that uh, that, you know, it demonstrates a break in the way things are supposed to happen.
2: Maybe. I mean, it, it's Maybe. possible. I You know, I didn't read it that way, but clearly with all the time travel that's coming into play, it's possible. Yeah
0: and i'm really expecting wally to play a big part in i want to say doomsday clock but that whole storyline in general though just the fact that his disappearance in time is related to that if he's not a big part of that story i will be seriously disappointed wait will you write a letter a sternly <laughs> worded like a, letter a sternly worded letter <laughs> i said seriously disappointed i didn't say i wasn't lazy <laughs> I didn't say motivated, just disappointed. I'll come on a podcast and rant. So, Paul, we peer pressured you into
1: picking up, uh, you know, the Flash Annual. Um, And, you know, you reached out to me when we were sharing our lists earlier in the week. You're like, hey, what's this Motherland book on your list? And I said, oh, you know, it's a it's a Vertigo uh, science fiction series. First issue just came out. I'm going to give it a shot. It looked like fun. You're like, "Okay, well, if it's any good, let me know. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. So I, I read it Thursday night so that I could give Paul plenty of time in the event it was a book worthy of his attention. Mm-hmm. And ooh, buddy, is it not? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, sadly, I, I think the thing that, that I find disheartening about this book is that there's a good book in here. Uh, if you if you were to scrape off some of the things that, that are terrible, um, the... Uh, the, the book is set in a world, in a multiverse world. So when we had contact from outside of our you know, experience, it wasn't outer space aliens. It was people from parallel universes. And so this is a world in which you, know, uh, you, can, you can travel from Earth to, Earth to Earth to Earth to Earth, right? And so you've got these bounty hunters who chase criminals across the, multi, the multiversal plane. And I thought that was really interesting. That was a neat idea. And there was a, kind of an Alan Moore top 10 sort of feeling to it. Uh, and I love top 10. I don't know if you guys read that or not, but I love that book. And uh, this book, again, like I said, you know, there, there are some things I really like about it. I think the artwork is great. Love the artwork in this book. Um, there is a sense of humor to the book that I really enjoy, but I can't get past the language. Now, it is not as as dense and annoying as the language in for instance spaceman uh uh, that, that book that paul made us read years ago um but the there the writer does something that i've seen kevin smith do in his films and that is have people say things that people don't say you know uh have you know and the example i'll give you is uh the scene it's a vertigo book so it's it's a mature title right and the scene is postcoitus, and the guy is getting up and leaving because you know he's done. And the woman has stuff in her hair, and she refers to it as cocksnot. And I'm just like, nobody's ever said that. Nobody in the history of the world has ever said that. And it t- it pulls you out because you're like, what an odd phrase. And it, the book is. Filled with them, and not odd phrases like you're reading, like you're watching a science fiction show, and they have different language for things like, you know, uh, you know, kelcams for distance for for Klingons or yarns for for a period of time in uh, Battlestar Galactica. But it is, it's just the vulgarity is so ridiculous and made up, it pulls you out of the book, and that's what I had a problem with because it was the the book is just filled with that kind of thing and you know i, I you mean you don't say coxnut
0: i don't say Coxnut and there's like i said it's a lot i was of just about to say i bet paul says cox
2: <laughs> all the time i mean sometimes that's that's the first word out of my mouth in the morning
1: but there are things i mean the, the thing that i that i that i hate is that I think if the language, if and I'm not saying language like oh, "I don't," you're saying things that offend me. They don't offend me. I just feel like they don't work with the rest of the book. And you know, th- there there are things I really liked about the book, but I just can't get past the language that the writer's using. Hmm. So I, I I can't recommend it. But you know, I I I I, I finished it. I started it Thursday night and I got about halfway through it. Oh my like, God, this is terrible. Um, and I finished it last night and I'm like, you know, I almost want to give it one more issue to see if that improves because I really like the main character, you know, I, and I, I, I like the story. The story sets up, uh, you know, her mother was like top bounty hunter and the bounty hunters. At that time, had these uh, reality TV shows uh, based on them. So mm-hmm. you know the camera would fly along with them, and you know people would tune in to watch you cross the multiverse to to capture the uh, the criminal. Well, it's you know years later, her mother has retired and is in a nursing home, and she's taken on the mantle of the family business. And her mother's a terrible human being. Just a terrible human being. but you know circumstances occur in the book where she needs her mother's expertise and her mother is essentially in a wheelchair. And so the adventure is going to be her and her mom, uh, you know, traveling across the multiverse hunting a, a, the, the criminal who is in fact her brother, her mother's son. Mm-hmm. And so I mean it sets up, I mean there's a lot to like here, but the way the book is written, meaning the dialogue, is really hard for me to get my head around and it's a, it's weird to say that because usually you know i it's like wow i i really like the story i like the the art i can't stand the dialogue the dialogue just doesn't ring true
2: well that's a bummer well i'm glad i it didn't is. pick it up too yeah but uh yeah i, so I, I would have to had say... to beat the cox out of you yeah.
1: <laughs> <sighs> Not the show title. Not no, the show title. not the show title. <laughs>
0: um,
1: so,
2: well, in uh, in in our requisite Marvel news this week, we aren't actually talking about any Marvel books, um, but a couple of Marvel movie news MCU news items this week, which include that initial Twitter reactions for Black Panther were released. Uh, you know, after preview screenings first. The way that those work is uh, typically they're allowed to post post, uh, social media reactions. And then the week of probably the Monday before um, is when press is allowed to actually have a a full review. Uh, And so uh, the press screenings for Black Panther have happened. and. It is pretty much universally loved. Um, Some folks are saying it's the best Marvel Cinematic Universe movie, which we hear like every time they release a new movie. So take that with a grain of salt.
1: Yeah, they said the the same thing about Ragnarok, by the way.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Um, but, you know, it's still getting very, very, very positive reviews. So um, I'm 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 hopeful Uh, and I'm very hopeful for it. I think it looks fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, I've been I've been excited about uh, Black Panther. So I'm I'm looking forward to seeing it, and Paul, they released a trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp today or this week. Yes.
0: Now that is a movie I'm excited about. Yeah,
1: I I, I, I got to tell you, ant Man's one of my favorite Marvel movies. Uh, I, I I love the the notion of that Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming. Oh, when does it do? Is it this summer?
2: Uh, no, I think it. Well, I think it's later this year though, because um, this summer is.
1: Oh, that's Infinity War. Infinity right? War. Yeah. Yeah
2: uh so i think ant-man and the wasp is no you're right it is in july so it's two months after infinity war so we have wow. two marvel movies this summer this will be the the first post infinity war movie which um i don't know if it's set after infinity war or before infinity war because i i'm knowing what we know about infinity war i think it ends on a cliffhanger uh so it would be interesting to have this jovial romp take place uh <laughs> you know after the cliffhanger yeah
0: yeah, the trailer is so funny. There's so many things about it that I loved. Some really good action scenes in it too. I mean, Ant Man is one of my favorite properties in the uh, for the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is amazing because the comics have never been that high on my list. No, no. Okay.
2: But yeah, no. I,
1: guess,
0: I guess the same thing's true for Guardians of the Galaxy. While I've loved some Guardians of the Galaxy stories, I like the movies way better than the comics.
1: Well, I I can't wait for Ant Man and the Wasp. That just looks like a whole a whole lot of fun.
2: Agreed. And considering yeah. how much the first one had a bunch of issues getting finally off this, you know, onto the big screen, they lost directors, yeah, that kind of thing. Uh, the fact that the final product was as good as it was, you know, uh, um, now they, without those same without those issues, I think we'll get an even stronger film with part two. Yeah,
0: so, I'm really curious who the villain's gonna be. Yeah, I, I don't have. To oh, it's Ghost. The boy. It's Ghost.
2: You see him in the trailer. Dude. Oh yeah so you'll, you'll see if you watch the trailer there's a character clad in white that has like all these little things on his mask um that's ghost uh, and character uh, ghost from the yeah.
0: thunderbolts okay okay yeah.
1: okay yeah. well i'm really curious i've been wanting to know all week long wayne about uh your feelings on valiant being sold to uh, uh, uh chinese interests I had
0: no idea about it until I saw it on Paul's list.
2: So uh, I'll I'll give you a little bit of information. Um, Valiant was bought out full stock by DMG Entertainment. DMG is um, a a production company uh, that has partnered to produce movies like Looper, Iron Man 3, Transcendence. Uh, They bought Valiant in a a deal that aims to significantly elevate Valiant's push into the film world. Um, So it's you know this is this is basically a film production company buying valiant entertainment however from what it sounds like valiant will continue to publish comics in the way that they have been publishing comics
0: yeah i like the idea of some of the valiant stuff becoming movies i'll be honest valiant is the are the best comics that i'm not reading yeah <laughs> i got into them early on i really love them and as I had more and more books, we weren't talking about them on the podcast, and I was reading less things that we weren't talking about. And I think Faith was the last book that I uh, that I dropped, and I didn't drop any of them because I didn't love them. It was just a time issue. And once you lose a few, they have such big stories and world changing stories that it's kind of hard to get back into them after you've dropped off. Yeah. Well, For- I was I was very amused
1: about uh, one of the statements that was made is that you know uh, it revealed that valiant had over 2,000 characters for this uh, Chinese company to develop and exploit and I was like you know I, I think I can name
0: maybe 10 2,000 characters yeah when you look at like the the harbinger book in particular there are a lot of of harbinger characters uh and I think that part of it comes with that. But still, that's a lot of characters. Like, I could probably, if I sat down and really struggled, I could come up with maybe 60 Valiant characters. Right. Oof. That's I funny. could not do 2,000.
2: <laughs> I can't even do 2,000 DC and Marvel characters. I mean, I could probably do 200. I could right. probably do 500. Um, but, you know, I'd have to really, like, uh, I don't know, like, come up with some really, like, left
0: field mentions there. Yeah. I bet you could do it with Marvel. I bet you could come up with at least a hundred X-Men characters alone. Maybe 200. Well, and Willie Including, Lemis. Cause we're including villains. <laughs> the postman. The Willy postman. Willie yeah. Loomis.
1: Yeah. He's number one. Yeah.
2: So uh, <laughs> as far as what this means for Valiant, you know, we'll, we'll see how things go in the future. Obviously they're going to try to do a cinematic universe. Um, Honestly, I think it's going to depend on the strength of the movies because they don't there's not a lot of preconceived expectations when it comes to those characters with the general public.
1: Yeah. Well, and you know, uh, there's not only pre there's no pre preconceptions, there's no conception, right? Yeah. I mean, I mean the, the the guys who know about the valiant characters are people who go to comic book shops. I yeah. mean, they're you know, you don't have you know the great value of a Superman or a Spider-Man is that everybody knows who that who those characters are, regardless of whether or not they've ever yep. read a comic book.
0: And uh, there's never been cartoons of any of these characters. Right. And well, and
1: that would be the thing to do is you know start your your cartoon line and your know, your toy line to to build some additional cred before you uh, start releasing a yeah, film. Yeah,
0: I think the only one actually the current valiant doesn't have access to all of the characters I was, I was thinking of that people might know are ones that the old valiant got the rights to but they don't have anymore things like Turok and solar and right um uh, magnus right yeah because Turok that, had some video games but even that i don't think people will remember
2: yeah yeah well, now I'm, i'll be curious to see how this shakes out if anything, I'm I'm hopeful that this news will inspire Comicsology to have a sale because I would like yeah. to get caught up on Exo Manowar, the current series, because it is just a beautiful book. Yeah,
0: yeah, a sale would be really nice. I I need to get caught up on some of because like I said I didn't stop reading them because I didn't like them. I really enjoy a lot of the Valiant books. It just I didn't have time and I focus on what we talk about.
1: Yeah. Well, Paul, I uh, I feel like you know this being a fifth week in comics, this was a pretty terrible week for comic books yeah. so i'm hoping i'm hoping paul that you're going to tell me some much better books come out next week
2: well next week obviously we'll get new issues of superman and batman to find out did batman and wonder woman do the nasty we'll find out um, <laughs> in addition <laughs> a book that i thought was going to come out this week apparently is coming out next week the tom king len ween jason Fabot kelly jones swamp thing winter special number one i would have preferred it come out this week since it's eight dollars and would have preferred to come out on a week where i wasn't buying anything but it comes out next week uh supposedly in addition we'll get a new issue of batman white knight number five written and drawn by sean murphy and uh that's issue five of eight so we're more than halfway there is Uh, that hashtag batman so white batman so white (laughs) 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 Um, and from Marvel Comics, we are getting Infinity Countdown. Adam Warlock, number one. Um, Adam Warlock is back. Reborn from the realm of the dead, Adam has come seeking the Soul Stone and the truth about what it did to him. His guide through the Infinity Quest is none other than Kang the Conqueror. Be there as Adam begins down the dark trail, sure to lead him into the heart of the mystery of the Infinity Stones. Written by Jerry Dugan. Sadly, the art is by Mike Allred, but I'll probably still pick it up. Um... Uh, but so that comes out next week for marvel and if you are a fan of the expanse uh the expanse volume one origins comes out next week from boom studios based on the best-selling books and tying into the hit sci-fi television series the expanse featuring all new stories by series creator james s.a corey um written by hallie lambert and Georgia Lee, and illustrated by huang Donlin, collected in print for the first time
0: you know, on my Audible account, I just picked up the first book of the series *Leviathan oh, it's Wake*. So good. On uh, with one of my credits yesterday. Yeah. So I haven't started listening to it yet, but I, that's one I should have done a long time ago. Yeah, it is so good and
1: highly addictive. That I, there is nothing not to like in that series.
2: So one thing I want to mention uh, in regards to Comixology is Comixology Unlimited. Features uh, over ten thousand comics, graphic novels, and manga. Uh, it includes um, companies such as Image Comics, Marvel Comics, IDW Publishing, and Dynamite, and more, um, which is great. Um, now it, it is six dollars a month to get Comixology Unlimited. Uh, you know, I forgot to mention Dark Horse is on there as well. Uh, Valiant is on there. Um, tons, of Mar- tons of Marvel. Tons of Marvel. Uh, just a, a bunch of, of great companies putting work on there. Uh, and it, it is $6 a month. Um, however, it, and you can cancel any time. However, now included, if you are a Comixology Unlimited member, you also get 10 to 15% off all new off all purchases from, from the companies that are featured on Comixology Unlimited, on new re, even on new releases. So if you spend a decent amount of money on comics a week, Uh, you know 20 bucks or or more a week then that 10 to 15 discount basically pays for your comiXology unlimited subscription every month my and i would be all over that except for one main factor dc isn't on comiXology unlimited um which me and dc is the majority of my comic purchasing so uh it wouldn't you know my my concern is that it wouldn't pay for itself for me uh because i don't read that much from those other companies not as much as i read in dc
0: absolutely yeah, I was thinking the same thing. I, however, do read a lot more Marvel, so that might be worth it for me. I, it's one of those things where now I want to kind of sit down and do the math because I don't <laughs> really have the time to go back and read a lot of the stuff on Unlimited that it would make that part worth. That's that thing. is that is
1: my thing as well. I mean, and I'm sure it'd be different if we weren't podcasting every week, right? Yeah. You know, where we're having to read for for the podcast. So I know my experience is probably different from you know someone who who isn't doing what we do. But uh, I spend I, I have re- I have checked things out on Comixology Unlimited. Um, I have enjoyed it when I'm traveling, uh, like airplane reading that kind of thing. But I, you know, because you do get to you can download those. You don't have to read them online. You can download them to your uh, to your tablet. Um, but yeah, I don't get to spend a lot of time playing with the Comixology Unlimited stuff.
0: I tell you, the other thing that's on there that uh, that Paul didn't mention because he's not you know a fan of this type of stuff. There's a lot of manga on the unlimited too. Yes, yeah. there is. So for manga fans, it could very well be worth it.
2: Archie Comics is on there as well. I mean, it's got a ton of great stuff. It's just a matter no, of you know time. having the time. Yeah.
1: And yeah. and like I like I said, I mean, I think I think it's a great value. It I have it because, you know, sometimes you're like, "Oh, I need to see that." Um but I, you know, I, I don't spend a lot of time in Comicsology Unlimited because I'm too busy reading the stuff that I bought this week that I need to read for Saturday. So, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Well, it sounds like we've got some decent books coming out next week. So uh, I'm excited to, to, to uh, read those books. We're excited to hear from you. Give us a call at 972 763 5903. That number, once again, is 972 763 5903. You can find us on Instagram at, at IOM Geek. You can find us on Twitter at, at ideology madness or at IOM Geek, your choice. Paul, how do they find us on the YouTube? On YouTube, youtube.com slash ideology of
2: madness. And one more announcement, which is that if you are listening to our other show, Star Trek with Aaron and Polly, um, that also it has its own feed now. Uh, so you can go to your iTunes podcast app and search for Star Trek at There and Paulie and subscribe to us there. It is going to be featured for the foreseeable future on both the Funny Books feeds and the Star Trek feed. But uh, go ahead and subscribe to the Star Trek feed uh, so that at some point in the future, we can keep this one Funny Books and keep the other one Star Trek. Um, and, you know, and, and definitely share with your friends, uh, your Star Trek and your comic loving friends, our podcasts.
1: And there is a Rainsboro feed as well. So you uh, just do a search for Rainsboro, R-E-I-G-N-B-S-B-R. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Rainsboro, just the way, the way it sounds. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. you, you can subscribe to Rainsboro there as well to to get all that Rainsboro goodness. Um, lots of stuff out there on the feeds, y'all. We, you know, we're dropping two podcasts a week right now. So uh, be sure and check those out. And stay tuned for our upcoming Bonanza with Aaron and Polly.
2: Don't stay tuned for that. It's not
1: happening. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit MarkandrewPope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of IdeologyOfMadness.com. No Spider Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.